Welcome to Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. We're here to help you take your health, fitness, and mindset to the next level. It's time to level up. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Level Up with Sherelle and Danny. Today we are talking about when people don't support your goals. Yeah, this is a common theme that comes through to us, whether it's in question boxes or our own DMs or through the podcast or even just in conversation, to be honest, with a lot of clients and people around us. But we specifically got this question of how to cope when your family, friends or partner don't support your fitness goals. So we wanted to have a bit of an open conversation today about that question in particular, because like I said, we do get it and see it quite a lot. Yeah, and I think this is an important topic because we can't always throw it back on the other person and saying, you know, they don't support me, they're not giving me what I need. Maybe they haven't changed at all, and Mm. that's often the case. Maybe we're the ones who have set a new goal that's a little bit startling for them or they think that we're changing. So it's really important to recognise that it's a two-way street and we need to not only expect their support but then maybe our goals don't support them. It's interesting when you flip it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Really well said. I think uh, as well, it's easy to like just disregard people that you don't care about. Like if, you know, some random's like, oh, what are you doing that for? I'm like, I don't care. Who are you? Like, I don't (laughs) mind. I'll do whatever the hell I want. Independent woman things. (laughs) Um, But when it's, like I said, family, parents, friends, partner, spouse, like someone that you love and that you respect their opinion on, it hurts so much more when you don't get that support. And that's the tricky piece to navigate because you can't really tell like, oh, I guess you can, but you don't really want to tell your partner to like get stuffed on doing this regardless. <laughs> like it makes things a lot more difficult, especially in fitness, because a lot of us do things in fitness to develop ourselves um, personally. Like it's personal development. I see fitness. It's a way of looking after yourself. So when we don't get the support from the people around us, it makes us feel like we can't work on ourselves and the, the people around us don't want us to. So we can get in this like defensive mode and it's not helpful at the end of the day. So we want to be able to unpack, I guess, a little bit of why do we think that people don't support us in particular goals? Yeah. And there can be so many reasons, but as you said, I feel like to live a full fulfilling life we must give ourselves the opportunity to grow and change and I was reflecting that now that I've left my 20s and and (gasps) embarked on the 30s just turned 30 guys can I ask yes like one lesson coming into your 30s well yeah this is um sort of the post that I made as well is stop trying to fit into crowds that that you don't want to and that was a big lesson you know when you're younger often you want to fit in you're trying to add everyone on Facebook you want to go to all the parties and then you kind of realize cool this is fun and great but then it, it comes to a point when you grow up a little bit and have responsibilities and your life changes that that doesn't serve you and mm. I feel like we've all been through a transition and maybe in a different time frame, you could be younger, you could be older, but there has to come a time and place where you say, hey, like you guys are still awesome, but I'm not that anymore. Mm. I don't want to go out drinking every weekend. Or maybe you love just having the same routine for the rest of your life. And it's like, if you want to make a change or if you want to be a leader or have a different way of living and being, you have to put yourself in an environment where you can come up with your own ideas and, and try new things. And that does involve change. Mm-hmm. But change is hard, not only yep. for the person doing it, but for the people around. You often yep. hear it as a negative, right? Oh, you've changed. Oh, it's like, yeah. That's good, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Mm. Was there a situation or a transition like recently or specifically that comes to mind when you say or reflect on that? Um, thank you for all the questions, by the way, but not recently or specifically, I think more, um, before I started fitness, like Mm. I had to let go of a lot of old habits and people, so friendship groups changed. I just, and it wasn't, we didn't have a fight or anything. We just migrated on different paths, you know, they were doing them and that's fine. And they're still doing them. Um, and then I really had to say, cool. No, I've I've found fitness friends and that's when you came along and you really have to close that door to to open the new one into new environments. So yeah, the the most transitional time in my life was when yeah, and I don't know if it's a coincidence, but I broke up with my first boyfriend. I've been in two mm-hmm. relationships, still in my second one and plan on being in it forever. But the first one, as soon as we 
broke up, I really got into fitness and was no longer partying. I changed my friendship groups and and was really focused on that. So mm. environmentally, that was the biggest one when it came to people. I was still living at home, but then, yeah, that comes later, which we'll get into. Yeah, massive. And, yeah, really good, um, like, segue because that is something that we will be chatting about, how important that not fighting that transition and that pull uh, towards a different group, a different hobby, a different goal, a different interest. Like it's really important to use your, you know, your own intuition as a compass. If something feels like it's pulling you in and you're gravitating towards that, you're doing yourself a disservice by pulling yourself away from it and, you know, conforming to what you feel like you should, in quotation marks, should be doing what like your goal should be with fitness and health and business and relationships and everything in general. But thanks for sharing, Max. I wanted to check on the opposite side of the 30. So I'm 28. Coming up, I feel like I'm coming up 35. That's oh, right. It's a great time. No, you, when, as you get older, you just become so much more sure of yourself, yes. as you'd know. And, and you don't really, you know, you have your circle, but it's a lot smaller. And as you said, that's why you want the support of the smaller circle because it's you, you put a lot of energy into it. But you'd know what it's like. You've moved from Swan Hill into this world and you were the odd one out, as you've been saying, right, in that transition. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like it's not even like maybe you might have a big shift and a big transition at some stage, but now I feel like I'm constantly having lots of micro transitions, whether it's away from one person, away from one particular goal, away from one habit, like we're constantly shifting and moving. Um, And it's really important to allow yourself to go through those transitions and get curious about it rather than just allow your life to be some big, like, subconscious habit like we don't want that we want to be really mindful with our decisions uh and it becomes a little bit more complex when other people are involved which is you know like what we're saying family friends and partners uh these are the people that we care the most about and i definitely have that like if i want to work towards something i find it incredibly difficult if i don't have the support of luke for example not because i feel like i need his permission to do anything but because I respect his opinion and I know that he knows me really well and that he would be, if he didn't support me in something like subconsciously, I'm like, well, Luke always wants the best for me. So maybe it's not the best for me. Like that's what it it pulls and has me to have this contrasting polarizing thought. But something I wanted to, I guess, open up with is when the people that genuinely care about us, like our partners and like our family and like our friends, our close circle of friends, not all of them, but when the people that do care about us um, don't support us, I think it's important to ask like, why do they not support you? Because like I said, subconsciously you're going to have these triggers that you, oh, well, it must be for a good reason. Or maybe you're going to have this like flight part show up and be like, I do what I want. I've definitely had that. (laughs) Um, But generally the people that care about you that don't support you, they don't support you because they care about you and they want to protect you. And even if I can use something that's like a bit more extreme being competing, right? Like there's a lot of partners out there that don't want their partner to compete because one, they can see how fucked up a lot of people get from it. Um, a lot of people that aren't, I guess, like well in the industry, they might see it as a bit more promiscuous um, or a bit more sexual or attention grabbing. So then they question their worth of are they not giving that to you? So you can see how there's like a lot of subconscious thoughts that actually go behind why people generally don't support you. Oh, yeah. And I can totally feel myself going through it now every time Paul throws out the idea, oh, I might do another comp. My first resistance is, oh, He's going to get like spend more time like away. He's going to, um, we won't be able to go out to nice dinners. And, and, yeah. and then all of the resistance has been about me. And it's like, Danny, you've done five shows. That's what drew you together. Who are you now to all mm. of a sudden be like, no, you can't do this type thing or to even have those thoughts come up. But all of the resistance is about me because mm. he does it in a way that he knows how to manage. And uh, look, it's it's not the healthiest, particularly when you're a guy as well, because you just push to that freaking next level. So a part of me is like concerned about that. But yeah, it was a really interesting uh, reflection to go, hey, like, don't make it about me. Um, mm. But it's not going to come up in the near future. But a lot of times when someone doesn't support your goals it can be because it's a mirror image on on what how they see themselves or the activities that they want to do and all of a sudden if they feel like that's stopping their life then they can try and talk you out of it which isn't nice and I would definitely wouldn't do that because Mm. that's just not 
being a nice person, but it can come up automatically sometimes, which is so interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Well, being on the opposite side of the fence for you now, Danny, like with Paul potentially wanting to compete in the future, what would help soothe you? What would help calm you to be able to like acknowledge and see the things that you're you might be worried about? And I guess I guess soothe those parts so that you don't think that they're gonna happen. Yeah, well, just again remembering that that was my life for five years. Um, yep. So empathy, empathy. Yeah, we'll we'll do it like that. That's fun. Um, and then um, I suppose knowing that that's one of his big passions, and he'll be so happy to do that, and mm. just to reframe it back on him, and he gets to utilize the beautiful gym that we've created, and and finally, yeah, take it to that next level, and and be the competitor in the gym, and that was his vision. So yeah, there's a whole bigger picture. It was just those initial small thoughts that actually mean nothing because we can go out for dinners for the rest of our lives or we can, you know, do all that forever. But this is a small window in which he can maximize um, that position. So mm. you kind of just you acknowledge what comes up initially. initially. You don't downplay because they're still valid. Um, mm. But then then reframe it into a bigger picture of, hey, this person really wants to achieve these things in this time. As long as it comes from a good place, and, and we must communicate it, then it's okay. Because, yeah, you you don't want to encourage people's goals that are coming from a place of self-hate or trying to get back at someone or, or bad things. So if they're coming from a place of love, we must understand that. Yeah, absolutely. Really well said. It also takes a lot of self-awareness to be able to pull yourself out of it. Mm. And like what you said, because... When people don't support us, right, there's usually like a little bit of like, a, I guess, tension there. And the tension is usually generated from what about me? Um, like what about my, like how this is going to impact my life? And the opposite is true. The person who wants to do the thing, they're like, this is me. I yes. want to do this. So we, and it's so like, this is the way we usually always deal with situations. We're very self-absorbed in our own reality because we are the main characters of our own life. And that's yep. just you know, that's what our survival depends on, us looking after ourselves. Um, but when we can have almost that pause and that like withdrawal from the situation to go, hmm, I wonder, like I hadn't considered what they want or I hadn't considered like whether this is something that was really important to them. And we can almost like remove the emotion and remove ourselves to feel like we're the only ones that are going to go through it and see the bigger picture. So I think that's really awesome because that's definitely one of the main things that I think we all need to do, whether we're dealing with someone that doesn't support us or you know whether we're struggling to support someone else in their goals we need to be able to step back zoom out and have a look at the scenario I'm really curious like with everything that's going on with you guys at the moment would have you felt the same way if Paul wanted to do this like six months ago um yeah I would have felt way worse because he was very stressed six months ago and I definitely and he recognized like now's not the time to Mm. throw a comp prep in the mix because he's blood pressure would have been it, it was already quite high but now it's all good but um it just would not have been healthy so then it goes from me not supporting him by saying no just because of fancy dinners and all that stuff which was the like the fluffy stuff but back then it would have actually been a health concern because yes. how many things can you do you can't yeah. and then to throw an extreme comp prep in the mix just would not have been healthy so he acknowledged that it wasn't the right time but through communication, we came to that conclusion. And and then you paint a picture, okay, we can do it in the future at a better time. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> but that's a really good point because that's like what I was saying. It's this is why people don't support you at certain times. It's because they can see that you're burning on the inside and they've got your best interests at heart. Yes. And when we can have that piece of like compassion for those people that are almost not supporting us rather than resentment because we understand we can approach that situation very differently. Like if if you didn't support me, Danny, to do something and you were like, I'm just worried about you, it's a very different conversation to if you're like, well, I can't be bothered flying down and doing that. Like I don't want to do that. It's a very different conversation because it's not becoming um, like centered around you. It's becoming centered around the person who's most affected uh, and what the outcome and the ripple effect is on everyone else. So like I said, when you're the person who feels a little bit attacked because people aren't supporting you, it can be difficult to do that because it honestly takes a whole nother level of emotional intelligence to be able to remove yourself and go, 
get curious and go, I wonder why. I wonder why my partner's not supporting me rather than going, he's a prick. He never lets me do anything, stuff yes. him. He's jealous. Like this is usually what happens. Mm. Uh, and it's really unfortunate because I hate seeing relationships break down because of competing um, or because of business or because of um, people's careers or friendships or interests right? Like even if your partner likes going out and drinking on the weekend with the boys and, you know, maybe you get a bit disheartened, like spend more time with me and you don't understand that's his coping mechanism to be able to support you for the other six days of the week. So I think it's it's really tricky and obviously there's going to be so much context, but yeah, thanks for sharing, like, I guess your perspective on both sides of the fence. No, thank you. And I think it works a lot better when you just are able to communicate, which you know, people say that a lot, but it is the pillar of everything. I mean, I grew up in a household where my dad being a Greek dad, his main form of communication was yelling. And you wouldn't know whether it was happy yelling or angry yelling. And it would just not be received no matter what. Growing up, I knew that he was just trying to protect me, whether it be as silly as those sushi mango memes of yelling at me to put a jacket on because it was cold or put your socks on or (laughs) don't walk around bare feet. I've copped it all. But yeah, as I said, he was just trying to protect me. Mm-hmm. But I, as I've grown up, I've learned that I definitely don't want to be in a household where I raise my voice. It doesn't mean it's the wrong thing to do. I've just been put off because I didn't listen. So I want to have another way. And then, you know, being in relationships with Paul and, and amongst my family, communication definitely is that number one. Sometimes mm-hmm. people just find it easy to yell and then you get over it rather than just having a chat about it. But that has been my way. So I think the the stronger you guys are at communicating, the more serious you're taken as well. Because if I said no to everything, it's kind of like the boy who cried wolf. Like when are you actually having their best interest at heart? Whereas if you have a foundation of a relationship that's quite supportive, then all of a sudden you go, oh, I'm a little bit worried or I don't think now's the right time. The other person will receive that a lot differently because they don't hear it that often. Mm. Yeah, no, it's a really good point. And I think as well, if it becomes that point of like the boy who cries wolf and like, oh, they're always going to say no, that's when problems can start to happen because you keep things like lies, you don't tell them, you don't ask, you just do. And because, you know, a lot of people will do that. I probably would (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that's why communication, not only just obviously communicating, but understanding the style of communication that is most effective um, for your partner or your friends or just honestly people in general. We're all very similar. Like no one likes being yelled at because a lot of how we interpret things is nonverbal, right? It's very little of what we say. It's more about how we say it. So the same when we're trying to resolve some sort of conflict and have a serious discussion um, and sit down with someone and talk to them about why um, and try and actually get to the real why. I don't know if you've heard, you would have probably heard of it, the five whys. Have you yeah. heard of that? Yeah. So like if you can ask them like, oh, why is why are you not supporting me with that goal? And they'll be like, oh, because, you know, it's just so stupid. And you'll go, oh, like, why do you think it's stupid? And they'll go, oh, because of, you know, I saw such and such do it. And why does that bother you? Like you ask them why, why, why until it gets to the real root of the problem. It's because I don't want to see you hurt because I'm insecure about you leaving me because I don't want you to get attention from other people because blah, 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 blah because I don't want you to burn out. Like you get to the real root. And then, like I said, when you understand that, it just completely changes how you see it. You go, you feel more empathetic and compassionate towards them caring about you. And it takes the aggression and the frustration away from the conversation. And that's when you can actually get through to people. And obviously you're not going to waste your time. You're not going to waste your energy with people that you don't care about, to be honest. But this is when you're in those sticky relationships where you know, there is a lot of attachment in them, particularly a partner, particularly a parent, particularly a really close friend, like acquaintances, like probably not, people on the street, people on the internet, probably not. You're not actually going to waste time because you don't really attach any, I guess, meaning to that. Yeah. Did you, because you started dating Luke before you competed, like how was that transition from your guy's life? I'm pretty sure you went to the same uni or you were both in uni at the same time and then um, correct me if I'm wrong, but then you transitioned into the fitness world. Like did you have to have discussions? Yeah, for sure. So we started dating like well before I was even into the gym or fitness. And um, I think at the start I was going through like a little bit of a transition, like away from friends at the time as well, like not necessarily uni friends, but even activities like the uni lifestyle is like, 
you know, I no longer want to get lit twice a week for the rest <laughs> of my uni career. So, you know, I was naturally spending more time at the gym. I was doing yeah. that. And I think Luke probably saw, I guess, maybe the level of isolation that I felt like I had to go through because I didn't have connections around me that were doing the same things. I wasn't just going to the gym with a friend or going out for coffee with just a friend. Like I was doing a lot of it on my own. So I think Luke saw a lot of that and had a bit more understanding to how important connection community and some of these goals were. Um, and fitness was really the first space where I started to like look after myself, develop myself personally, develop a bit of grit, have drive and passion towards something. So I think he had enough intelligence to be able to see all of those things that I was getting mm. from fitness um, rather than being taken away from like, oh, Sherelle's not here. She's not there. She's not there. Like there's a lot of other I guess, habits I could have been doing. And these were the ones that are actually serving me. The other thing is like, obviously, does anyone's partner want their girlfriend to be going out and get wild and like, you know, exactly. So Luke <laughs> well and truly supported it. Um, but then when it came to the competing side, I was really nervous about telling Luke. And I remember like I did, I took him out for dinner. I still remember oh. this. I took him out for dinner and I, I told him about this competing thing because it wasn't what it was now. Do you know what I mean? It was very different yeah. back then. And I was just saying, like, I, I was ex- explaining to him. And I look back now, I did, was not very emotionally intelligent then, but obviously <laughs> I'll give myself some credit. Yeah. Um, I look back now and I approach it in the same way that I would still today. Like regardless of like how extreme the goal is or how mainstream it is, I would still sit someone down that is outside of the industry, right, that doesn't quite understand. I would sit them down and educate them about why I want to do it, why it's important for me, why their support is fundamental for my success. And honestly, I remember saying to Luke, if you don't support me, I don't think I can do it. Because Ooh. I need the support around me. Oh, as in the competing, not the yes. relationship. Oh, no, okay. the sorry. Oh, sorry. Like, that, well, yeah, no, my bad. That's the oh, other good. piece. Like I would never put something out like that above my relationship ever. Mm. Um, so that's the other piece is like I remember expressing to him, this is something I really want to do, but it's really important for me to be able to have support around me because I know how difficult it is to not have support in certain things that you're working towards. And I think when you can approach someone like that, if they care and love you, they will support you. Like they will. Yeah. What sort of person couldn't unless there was like some really hard ties, like maybe there's really heavy financial stresses or like what you said, Danny, you've got the outside view to be like, look, mentally, you know, I don't think we can survive this. Like, and that, and I would have received that and changed my decision. So that's the way that I approached it. And then I think the other really important, um, I guess, way when I reflect back, and this is going into strategies now, but I showed Luke and the people around me that I loved this. Like yeah. I, I grew through it. I was like not showing pain, not showing suffering. Like I was like, wow, I get to compete. I get to diet. I get to nourish my body. I get to feel strong. I get to show up for myself. I get to prioritize myself. It was all the things I get from this choice or this goal or this 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 driving factor rather than like, oh, I can't go out for dinner. I can't do this. I can't do that. Because like I said, people that don't support you, they don't support you because they want the best for you. And if they can sense that you're not um, like fulfilling the life that you want or you're not getting to fulfill the opportunities uh, that you want to do and they feel like you're suffering, of course they're going to try and pull you away from it. Yeah, yes, because they have your best interest or they might not. It depends on the situation and how close of the relationship we're talking about. But imagine if you rocked up, you know, you're having your lunch break when you're still a nurse or your dinner break and then everyone's eating their normal food or, you know, quote unquote normal food. Um, And then you had your prepped meal and started saying, oh, my God, I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. They would be like, can you just shut up? Like, yeah. they're just trying to do their life. It's not the right environment for you to talk about fitness because, you know, mm. they that's not their priority. Or you hear it about um, in the office, so-and-so just bangs on about their competing and they're just so annoyed. We can't be that person either. No. So it doesn't mean you're not allowed to talk about how hard it is, but just pick the people that you talk about it to. Because if a group of humans who have no interest in fitness or competing hear about it, they're not going to say, keep going, you can do it. You know, they might, but in most chances they'll be like, well, why are you doing it? Just have one mm. of these donuts. Like yeah. pick your environments as well. It's so important. And don't be that person just to keep talking about it and complaining about it. 
Yeah, absolutely. And if you are that person, maybe reflect on whether this is right for you. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like if you catch yourself demotivated, you know, dragging feet for the whole time and forcing yourself to go to the gym, like ask yourself why. And I completely like when you were saying that, Danny, like I had those experiences all the time and I wasn't even complaining. It was like, oh, I don't still. know how you do that. Like, mm. how can you eat that? Like, aren't you hungry? Like, I had all those questions and it was in my like conscious awareness to be like, yeah, I'm fucking hungry, but yeah. no, I'm not. I'm fine. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and I know that's a really strong protective part in me, but Ooh. I'm like, like I said, you got to pick your energy. Because if we complain about things, we relive it twice. That's yeah. what the definition of anxiety is, like worrying about the future. If we're worrying about like how we might feel and we relive that, we've actually forced ourselves to go into it. So I always came back to like perspectives massive for me. Like I feel like I have, I've had a lot of experiences and opportunities that have given me a lot of perspective in life. So I don't complain. Like I, I, like no. I never complained about it when I was working shift work because honestly some of my duties at work were more difficult mentally than being hungry for a shift. So I learned yeah. quite quickly to like overcome that. But as I said, I did that because I wanted to do it. If I didn't want to do it, it would be a completely different story. And yes. this is why you have to reflect onto people. And this doesn't matter about the goal. Like maybe you want to compete. Maybe you want to go to the gym five days a week. Like I still remember when people told me that was obsessive, right? Mm. Like and that who, was who told you that? Exactly. Doesn't matter because I didn't mm, listen to them. But yes. I still remember being like, oh, that's 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 a bit too much. Like that's, a you know, like all those things. It depends on who it's coming from. Yeah. Honestly, my colleagues at work, there's probably a reason as to why I used to eat lunch on my own. Like I used to just mm. go out in the courtyard and be like, I've got different interests and I don't want to, I don't want to have to like explain and justify and, you know, wear an armor as to why I want to do the things I want to do. I just want to be around people that push me and support me in that goal. And the, I don't say this from a negative place. I say this from a, like, a, just a place of awareness of when you're stretching thin in certain areas, you need to surround yourself with people that are just going to lift you up and fuel the energy that you want to be able to have. And I totally understand that sometimes not everyone has the opportunity um, to be surrounded by people all the time. Honestly, none of us really do. Like, yes, no. we can pick and choose, but we're always going to have, you know, negative Nancy's. Sorry, anyone that's named Nancy. I know. Negatives, <laughs> not Nancy's. Negatives coming in, whether it's on the internet or at work, in the yeah. office, colleagues, family. God, sometimes you don't get to pick them. Yes. Right? It just is. But yeah. we have to, we have to be like aware of where we're dumping our energy into. Like we don't get to pick our family. Right, we all have skeletons in the closet. Mm. Every single one of us has skeletons mm. in the closet. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think just like, just because you've got family, like, doesn't mean that they fall into the same category as a lot of the people that we're talking about as well. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, there's. Oh, you just always get those people that, and it does trigger me a little bit, but I know it's their own limiting beliefs. Yeah. Like they'd come up to you and see that you're doing a few things or even recently with the gym and the app and all that stuff. And their first thing would be, oh, aren't you tired? Or wow, it must be really stressful. Or I don't know, they they open the conversation with a negative and mm. it's like, and then I shut off straight away. Like it's because these aren't people that are in my immediate relationships. Like yes. in my little circle, completely different. I'd be like, yes, mum, I am tired. But for someone, <laughs> like, mummy, give me a cuddle. No, um, but for someone else, it's like why? And straight away I'm like, wow, like you're just putting your own lens on this experience. Why are you trying? Like don't try and bring me down. I get so protective and I know people, there are people that are coming from a place of, and they don't realize they're doing it, but you can just read what they've been thinking because their first point of call is to say something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm just trying to do something good, you know, doing, going on a fitness journey or trying to, to work hard and create new things. You know, we're good people. We're not mm -hmm. trying to hurt anyone, but no. people will take any scenario to try and give themselves an excuse as to why they're not taking action and mm. and all of that. But you and I go around, we don't expect everyone to do what we're, we do. I don't mm. judge people for not having a gym or being a coach or whatever. Like as long as you're happy doing what you're doing, fantastic. We're on our own unique paths for a reason because we're just following what we love doing. Mm. Who are we to try and put that expectation on other people? So then to flip it when people come up to you and say all of that, I just, it's just not nice, but it is so prevalent. Mm. So that sort of 
ties into what you were saying. It depends who it comes from. Mm-hmm. If it's someone immediate and close that you trust, okay, cool. You're allowed to talk about that. But if someone off the street comes up to you and straight away puts all these labels and limiting thoughts, it's like, mm, nah, I don't need to talk about work with you because I know you've got an ulterior motive. Yeah, I guess the question is like, what do we do when these things are reflected from a like a place of people that we do appreciate and we do care about? Like that's the that's where a lot of people usually do run into. And even when I was yeah. listening to you there, I was like, I recognize our own privilege in certain things with like maybe the people that we're surrounding ourselves with or the people that we have, but then also the experiences uh, and mindset that we've got to. And like even the podcast that we did with Nikki, sometimes it's nice to be able to reflect on how far you've come mentally because you've got a lot of that self-worth and confidence behind you. And I've been thinking about this for a little bit, but I have a genuine belief that a big thing that holds people down on a subconscious level is a lack of self-worth in certain areas areas because when we don't have strong self-worth in particular areas we constantly people please we go okay yeah no worries yeah I'll do that for you we say sorry all the time sorry I didn't miss sorry like I'm so mindful of when I say sorry because it's like well I'm not sorry if I can't fit this in if you're asking me to do this thing like I'm mindful of how often I apologize because when we apologize it usually means that we've done the wrong um, and we probably should correct our behavior so certain things like that that we've gone through lived experience to be able to come to on the other side because five years ago I probably would have always been apologizing and saying sorry to people and people pleasing and picking up extra shifts and bending over backwards for like maybe friends that don't make the time for me and doing those sorts of things because that's what we do in our early 20s right like then towards the back end of our 20s and like what you said 30s and beyond (laughs) everyone tells me it just gets better honestly Mm. I did a post the other day talking about um approaching 30s and how there's this stigma that you should have a house and you should have you know the car and you should be getting pregnant and you should be doing all these things and I feel like the times have changed and it's awesome because it means that we get to sit in this time for a little bit longer and reap the rewards of our own experiences um, and self-awareness and bring it into whether it's our career or our relationships or our business whatever else Mm -hmm. and really truly enjoy it but what I want to tell people I guess is that a little goes a long way when it comes to mindset stuff and something as simple as like positive self-talk. Like I'm so big on positive self-talk because honestly, as women, we deflect compliments and we don't do enough of it. We go, oh no, it doesn't matter. It's not that good. You know, maybe it's Maybelline, whatever else comes up. (laughs) We just deflect (laughs) things. We don't accept it, right? We don't accept it. And like very like I'm stigmatizing here, but guys do like they they're really good with their egos and like standing proud and standing tall and doing a lot of that. But as women, we're not. We're taught to sort of like you know not be brave and not stand up and not accept compliments and not not be um arrogant and not flaunt things. Like we're told to sort of sit down a little bit. And I challenge people to try and foster that like positive self-talk and that self-worth so you can be confident in your decisions and you can you know bring your your choices to the people that you care about and try and have a genuine conversation rather than feel like you've got to fight through or protect something or you know bring your worth up in a particular way or crumble down to other people's opinions yeah and that's an interesting point as I've gotten to know a lot you know more males as I've been growing up I've recognized that you might have and this is a big gender stereotype but it's just common behavior based on survival and all of that testosterone if a guy's insecure they're more likely to staunch and stand taller and talk louder and be the hardest in the room and the biggest and all of that um where women will generally retreat and again you can you can overcompensate in both areas but just because um, a, a male seems really confident. Mm. You can sense, hmm, you're a little bit louder today, or you're that you like you've got to protect a part to mm. try and overcompensate how you're actually Big feeling, isn't it? But yeah, and and it's also quite sad too because they feel like they really need to step it up. So it's just learning psychology and language and and body language, as you mentioned earlier. It's not about you know what's coming out of your mouth, how it's received, but people are just. Oh, People are just trying to always protect themselves. That's Mm. what I've noticed. And sometimes if someone's trying to stop you reaching a goal, they're trying to just protect themselves, as sad as it is. And Mm. there are selfless people. You've got got it the complete other way. But just for the sake of this podcast, if someone's trying to prevent you from making a change in your life, you need to go back to asking why. Mm. And I've been in situations where I've been, um, you know, dating or 
you know, in a, a previous relationship where we were young and insecure, like both of us. I would go out partying and be validated by that and he would just have his own ways. But then I always just felt like I wasn't able to truly be myself and maybe I was being a little bit ignorant and not considering his needs. Again, we were only 19, 20, so young. But then I would say, why don't you want me to do this? And then the answer would be something that wasn't true in my eyes. Mm. You just want to do this so you can show off to so-and-so. You just want to do this so, you know, you get that attention. And it's like, well, that's actually not true. So when you come to the point of having that conclusion and their reality is so different, that's where the mismatch is. Mm. Whereas if the other person came back and said, oh, I feel like you're you're not ready or, you know, um, we've got a lot on, you can go, oh, yeah, that's actually true. Then it's received better. But if they're just lying, putting their own things on that discussion, that's when it can go the other way and you can start arguing because I've definitely been in both situations. Oh, um, yeah. If you can work through it, great. If they don't want to shift their beliefs, it's like, okay, it, you, you've got to make a call. Why am mm. I hanging around this person no matter who it is? Yeah, really, really good share. Um, something I wanted to share as well as you're saying that I was remembering we had Nikki come in and do a webinar like a couple of weeks ago um, for the community and she she was doing it on limiting beliefs and self-doubt and one of the acronyms, because I want to reference her for this, yeah. one of the acronyms that she had around fear and what fear actually is, false evidence appearing real. Like if you looked at the acronym and she was speaking about how a lot of the fear-provoking decisions and um, anxieties that we have, it's it's false evidence appearing real based on previous experiences. And I think what you highlighted there, like, oh, you just want attention and you're like, well, that's not true. Like that's false evidence. Mm. Why does it appear real? Like why does it appear real? And like I've been in similar relationships where like, you know, maybe they were cheated on, maybe they had trust issues and they're reflecting that on you and the person that you are. And it's like actually like no, like. Like, I just love having fun with other people and, and whatever, like come along, you know, like it's, yeah. so it's important to be able to try and see like both sides of it as well, but really tricky. And obviously you're not with that person for a reason. So yeah, I think um, you, <laughs> these sorts of challenging conversations though, man, they really wean out the people that should be in your life and shouldn't. And sometimes it's really difficult because you're like, oh, I just wish this person supported me. I've tried everything I like can maybe it's family like you know I've tried everything that I can I think I just need to distance myself and that's really difficult but that's when you're protecting your energy and your own headspace and putting yourself first and making a tough decision and if I was to do that I'm my, I would want to, depending on the situation, maybe even have that conversation to be like, you know, this is really difficult for me. Because again, when you pr- approach those situations with empathy, compassion, and kindness and understanding, man, it goes a long way because the opposite person can't get angry at you. If you're like, no. oh, I'm doing this for us. And like, I'm really just trying to look after my own, you know, mental health. And I'm, I just really want you know, what's best for me and you. And it, it just completely changes the conversation. And um, like it's, it's not reverse psychology, but it's definitely the best way to approach it. Absolutely. And when you do have that conversation, you it's hard to, or it's important to not um, let yourself get carried away in emotion. Don't yeah. have an important big conversation when you're really heightened, whether yeah, that be space. anger, whether that be sadness, you know, try and calm yourself down or give yourself space, as you said, yeah. first before you address the conversation because you might be at the edge of your window and one small thing is going to set you off Mm -hmm. and then that'll ruin the whole conversation. That's how arguments happen and and all of that. And it's just not the way to communicate a point. So try and deal with it first and get grounded because to have a deep emotional conversation requires you being present, but then also having the ability to, to tune inwards into how you're really feeling but then give the other person space rather mm. than just talking over one another. It's so important to have that conversation uh, when you're level-headed. Again, easier said than done. It is mm. very, very hard, but it's important just to practice it. Yeah, absolutely. When you're a leader or leading any conversations, like you, you know, you always have to be the calmest person in the room because you're trying to direct that, um, you know, to a, to a positive outcome. And I think if you've got the awareness to be able to do that, like take it as a responsibility upon yourself to direct that conversation where you want it to go and not get escalated as a response by someone else and mirror what they're going through. Yeah. I've also learned like I make far better decisions when I give myself space and time, whether on both ends of the spectrum 
spectrum, like maybe I'm motivated and excited and I want to action something straight away, um, I will recognize that in myself. The same as the opposite, like maybe I'm angry and triggered and therefore I want to respond verbally in some way, like both of the same thing. Um, it's almost like my, you know, my ADD brain just triggering over to one of it, like move, 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 go, go, go. But I know that when I'm feeling like that, like, hey, does this need to be actioned right now? Like, can I just have an hour to think about this? And then in that time, I might be like, actually, as much as I'd love to do that, can I add anything more to my plate? Probably not. Yep. Is this fair on the other person? You get to actually zoom out because you can't do it when you're in the situation. Uh, the same as like, if you're having this conversation with this person, like, don't feel like you need to come up with all the answers in that one sit down conversation. You yeah. can usually, and when I, if I have like, you know, difficult conversations, I give that expectation for myself where the first interaction is collecting as much data as I can, collecting as much information, asking as many questions as possible, getting a really clear um, vision of what they're thinking and why they're thinking it, and then going away. And then yep. thinking about that, putting it all together and then coming back with, you know, a solution, a, a counter offer, an open discussion, because not only are you trying to interpret everything that's come in, they're also in a different like energetic state. Maybe they're a bit heightened um, or a bit flat from having to like really think about the emotional impact of the answers that they're giving you and acknowledge that too. So I think we have this um like this untold rule that like, oh, we're having a conversation, we need to fix it right now. And that's not the way that these heavy, I guess, solutions or conversations usually should go. Yeah, and and people have um, that advice, don't go to bed angry. They always Mm. say, don't go to bed angry, don't go to bed angry. But sometimes you just need to sleep it off. And I'm a big believer of sleeping it off because I get more heightened when I see the clock ticking and it's well and truly past my bedtime and that adds to the stress because I know my aura ring is going to be red the next day yeah. I'm like, and then my whole next day is ruined I'd rather sort of you know sleep it off whether it's a conversation with a friend you just have it in the morning or a partner or anyone yeah. I'm yeah case by case but I feel like we shouldn't take that advice so literally because it's definitely handed down from the next generation and the next, like parents mm. and, and whatnot, even though my parents are divorced. I'm like, guys, why am I taking advice from you? <laughs> um, but they're both much happier now and that's fine. Yeah, exactly. But it's like mm, maybe that doesn't work sometimes. A good sleep, getting mm. grounded again and level-headed definitely goes a long way and then you can address it when you're ready the next day. Yeah, something I constantly find myself saying probably a bit too much now is like, let's pin that. Like I'll just say, oh, let's, yeah. let's, let's pin that. Like one, if I can't be bothered, not have the pin board's full. Oh, pin board's <laughs> full. I'm like, I hope you're pinning it because I'm pinning it and throwing the pin out. Um, but even if it's like a, a small decision or a business decision or whatever it might be, it's almost like code for me, like not here, not now. Um, like we might be in mm. bed, for example. Obviously, Luke and I work together. So it's, it's really difficult sometimes to switch off from like yeah. business mode and not take conversations to bed. Um, um, but if like is something where one of us is trying to wind down, I'll just be like, let's just pin that because it doesn't need dressing now. And I can see how this might be like fear provoking in some sort of like a subconscious anxiety state, like what you were saying of being like, oh, I hadn't considered that. Well, you might find a problem that you didn't know was there and then you've got to sleep with that. So yep. it's also important to like, timing you know like when you've both got the bandwidth to be able to have that conversation I'm always mindful of like if it let's just say I don't mind throw Luke under the bus he doesn't listen much anymore um (laughs) but if I want to give Luke some constructive criticism I never do it in the moment like maybe he's just said something or done something I will never go can I give you some constructive criticism like right then right there because that's Mm. triggering I'll do it the next day and be like hey you know when we had that conversation you know when we had that meeting or you know when we did that um can I give you some constructive criticism about that and then he'll be like yeah for sure you know and the same goes with me like if I'm you know being a bitch or doing something he'll be like hey like was there anything that sort of triggered you with that like it'll be a really nice discussion because we're outside of the actual event itself and that doesn't just go with partners like that's work colleagues like if someone's stuffed up at work you're not going to be like oh you should have double checked that like you're not going to do that but it might be a conversation that you could have later on be like hey like maybe next time we um could do that double checking process together so we don't make that error in the future or so that other people can learn from it yeah, I love that. And it's so important. And and my catchphrase, or not catchphrase, but something that I've always said, which now Paul's subconsciously saying it, it's funny when you live together, is being solution focused. Because yeah, Paul would that. always, yeah, he always, you know, come problems happen in, in life and work yeah. and little spot fires. And now and now the the focus is always reframed. All right. What's Perfect the solution? Answer. And it, when he would come to me and 
I'd be like, cool, okay, you've told me all the details. What's your solution? What's the solution? What's the solution? And now he's started to say that as well. And it's a really nice way to just have a mutual language with each Mm -hmm. other. And sometimes you don't realize you're doing it. Like I haven't said that to him. A lot of things that I'd say here, again, it's just between the girls and whoever else is listening. (laughs) The rest of the world. But I love and the rest of the world. But, um, yeah, it's nice just to be able to acknowledge that other person and say, okay, I can't say this now because that will press their buttons. And you don't want to use that for evil because you're so close with Mm. someone you know their fears you know their vulnerabilities and their insecurities you never want to play on that you should want to do everything on your right mind to try and prevent them from Mm. being in that state because you know what gets them in that state so just be a good person and like what you said you know the timing to bring things up Um, I know the ways in which we can have our little mutual lingos that help Um, it's all of those things uh, Mm. just to make it work and I suppose a message that you and I want to give to people like it's always going to be a work in progress no matter what relationship it is I think a big factor aside from communication and knowing how to go about that is also recognizing the time that you're spending with someone whether it be your parents your friends your colleagues your partner I was listening to Jay Shetty last night on his Instagram and I love him he said you're better off having 10% of your time or giving someone 10% of your time with 100% energy than 100% of your time with 10% energy. Mm. So you need to decide the times in which you can show up and it might be five minutes, it might be 10 minutes of quality communication and quality time and then you remove yourself rather than just spending six hours with someone, you're angry, you're on your phone, you're not present. That time's wasted. So Mm. I found that a really interesting and important concept on, okay, take ownership. When can I give this person as much of my time, um, energy as I can in a positive way? And then I'll remove myself. And that's Mm. so powerful. Yeah, I love that. That's a really, Mm. really good way of framing it. Because I think in today's like, you know, modern age, focus is like trendy. Focus is like the new sleep trying to train focus, improve focus, productivity, yeah. but focus is is difficult because of like technology and, you know, how fast paced we're moving. We're always 500 steps ahead. So it's really difficult to be mindful and present in the moment. Uh, and you notice that because subconsciously you might reach for your phone or you might get distracted. Honestly, like oh, I've had to really work on focus because I used to have the attention span of a squirrel and huh? Luke would 100% agree with me. Um, but it, it doesn't come from a negative place. All no. right. It literally just comes from an excited place. And then energized um space as well but i think if when especially when we're having like these sorts of conversations those actions are big triggers for people when you're not present because you get that are you even listening like you're even with me you get that and i know on the retrieving end how difficult that is when you're trying to you know have a difficult conversation you're trying to you know really understand someone you you don't even feel like you're being heard because that is like a big subconscious fear for people like i don't feel seen or heard um by someone else so when you reinforce that by looking down at your phone or like daydreaming or like going huh or like what do you mean or or not getting clarity from them not making eye contact body language it reinforces that fear that they're not seen and heard by you um and it goes against the the solution that you're trying to do so mm. i think it's, it's a good reminder um for people like maybe not like what we do about these people we don't do anything about them we don't just kill them it's like how do we approach the situation how do we communicate with them effectively how can we come to a mutual agreement because at the end of the day you both want the same thing like happiness you both want to be happy with your decision and and you really both want to support each other if you love um like one another whether it's family or friends or you know work colleagues or partners whatever it might be you really do want to come to that mutual like conclusion yeah and make sure you're giving them something back like let's just Mm. say you want to do a comp prep and then the other person has voiced, for example, me when, when I first thought, oh, what, what about our dinners that we've just been doing, you know, new yeah. relationship, this, that, even though now we've been together two years, it's not that new, but it's like, then you pop a time frame on it. And, then, mm. and for example, you can say, okay, cool. Well, the show's here. How about the next month we go away on a nice holiday or yeah. we do this, put a time frame on it. And then with a, with a plan that will allow the other person to be happy mm. as well, or for example, Paul always lets me travel whenever I want for however long I want. And I, I do acknowledge and recognize that. And he's never said it in a way of, well, I let you, like, he's not that person. But I go, wow, that's actually, that would upset a lot of people because I'm away nearly, you know, every weekend or every second week. But 
that's an important value of mine that's being met, then I need to reciprocate that with another important value. Or Mm. it might not even be something that big. Maybe someone you can do the dishes or do the laundry or buy them a small gift. Whatever love language is reciprocated, it's important that it shouldn't just be about you and your goal. Like what are you still doing to them you can't Mm. put your relationships on pause you have to Mm. still show that you still care about them and yeah find out their interests find out you know maybe if they do do all the housework all the time you know help out where you can or find a solution again it's really important to make continue to make it a two-way street yep showing like appreciation I think as well as like for that that person Luke and I run into this because my love language is like I buy people stuff I love buying people stuff and giving like I give presents I give give things whereas Luke's is like words like he likes to be told you're doing a really good job like he likes the the verbal um and and it's important to know that about each other because I'm like here's chocolate here's the gift here's the thing Mm. and all he wants to do is told that you know I appreciate you doing all the laundry I appreciate you cooking dinner I appreciate you doing this other thing um so because it's like oh well you feel like you might be meeting the person halfway but it's not halfway for them uh and I think that's why it's important to be able to step outside of your own box and try and consider the other the person and we have the advantage of like when these people that you know maybe don't quote unquote support us um when we understand them we actually get to learn about them like we know a lot about them we know their triggers we know what makes them happy we know what's worked in the past we know what their values are um we know those things about that person so we need to reflect on that if we genuinely care about them we need to be trying to make sure it is a two-way street uh, and it's not just about you and your goals too yeah there is a very important distinction that we need to make in all relationships and it actually is you know, giving it our best effort to have that communication to make it a two-way street. And if that's still not being received, then we probably have to come to the realisation that maybe this person doesn't want to see us happy. Mm. And it's like, when do you make that call? Sometimes when I'm in the heat of the moment or a little bit activated, I just want to run away and not from Paul, but just from anyone who, you know, gives me a little bit of a challenge. I'm like, well, screw you. I can, you know, do what I want. I have those moments as well. And it's easy to cut people off. And it's like, Mm. no, that's not good. It's good to disengage for a little bit. Now I'm being Jay Shetty again. He's the new Gary Vee that we're going to quote, I think. Um, Disengage, but then always re-engage. That's very important to the re-engaging, which we mentioned before. But sometimes... You have to disengage forever. Oh, for and, sure. You know, mm. there's there's so many relationships that we've disengaged from friends, or maybe maybe we don't spend as much time with family, or yeah. even though we love them so much, maybe there's a threshold and a limit, and and mm-hmm. we need to recognize that that's a thing. It shouldn't be the first point of call in most scenarios. If it comes to you know be, being in danger physically, mentally, and all of that, different story. But if it's you know on the lower scale, try but then you can say no, you can say Mm. goodbye, you can move on, and that is so fine. Yeah, absolutely. I really love that because I think it is important to highlight that, yeah, like maybe the people that, you know, don't support your goals don't support your goals. (laughs) And that's a reality that you have to sort of like, come to that conclusion um if you if you can't see if it that it's coming from a good place i think that's the other piece is like where is that like non-support supported piece coming from is it coming from a good place Is it come from a selfish place uh and that's a tough conversation that's really tough that's really really tough so good luck <laughs> to everyone yeah, so thinking good about luck. that good luck to <laughs> but like um like what danny was saying like we've absolutely been through this um yeah. it's just about how long how much energy you put into it how long you focus on putting energy into it um Um, And when you feel like the right time to move on from that, you know, relationship discussion, like environment space is, uh, you don't want to waste your whole life sitting there. Mm, Easier said than done. But, hey, you guys are not alone and everyone has their own different versions. But, hey, it's your life at the end of the day. And and you should be able to do whatever the hell you want. If it comes from a place of kindness and being a good person, then you're not doing anything wrong. It's mm-hmm. just about having a conversation with someone who's close to you to allow them to be somewhat ready as well. They don't mm. have to do the things that you want to do to achieve that goal. But at the end of the day, you can achieve all the goals in the world. But if you're alone, it's not worth it either. So give it your best shot, but then also learn when to move on from people if, you know, that hasn't worked as well. 
Yeah, very well said, very well said. Well, thanks for sharing, Danny, as well, like your own personal experience at the start. It's always good to be able to tie some of these questions and topics back to our own experiences because, honestly, we learn so much through experience and it's really important to not only learn from our experiences um, but learn from your own as well, like what's worked in the past because I'm sure, like, everyone's gone through this. We probably went through it in primary school, right? Like, we go through these sorts of conflicts and these situations um, and interacting and communicating with others throughout our whole entire life and honestly never stops so we hope you did take something from this episode and as always if you did please do take a screenshot and tag us on instagram thanks everyone